Hey, Golan guys. Welcome, Internet. Thanks for coming on board. We had a, what was that, a Miller Lite crack open right there? No, it's Riggs. It's a local brewery here in Champaign. Are they our unofficial sponsor of our Week 5 episode? Uh, today they can be. Oh, excellent. Thank you for choosing Rakes. What type of beer is it? It's a red lager. Oh, Rakes Red Lager. Brewed right there. Rigs, Rigs. Like, oh, Rigs. Oh, sorry. Like Rigs from Lethal Weapon. Oh, okay. Is is that what's on the can of beer? No, oh. the guy's name is Rigs. He's a he's oh. a master brewer. Like he went to Germany and studied all that shit. It's really good beer. Shout out Rigs Brewery. Uh guys, welcome to week five. Thanks for coming in. Uh, we have a huge episode for you guys today. A lot happened in week four. Real topsy-turvy week. Uh, we'll go over that here shortly. We've got some big, big, big games coming up this week. A lot of conference uh, races really solidifying here. Uh, your boy, Josh right here, JB, on top of the dog pile here. Week four winner. Yeah, round of applause, sound effect. Thank you, everyone. We still have a very tight-knit group here up at the top. Uh, TJ is in just, like, absolute... You know, championship mode here. Phil uh, in second place. Sean in third. There's a real tight cluster. Uh, Kyle in fourth place. And then there's a three-way tie for fifth place between Josh, John, and Clay, our newest member. Uh, Dave Pez forgot to log in and make his first five picks, I think. <laughs> and somehow, somehow he's still in front of Jeff, who is firmly in ninth place. Uh, the, the losing picking record of 17 and 23. So he's Mr. Hedge. Jeff will be joining us here shortly. Uh, he will have a couple of games assigned to him. We're going to go over week four here. Uh, we're going to get into big games that are not on our pick pool here, and then we will dive into illustrious week five. Guys, we are almost halfway done with the college football regular season. That Stop was saying that. I know. It happens quicker than you can uh, shake a stick at. So I don't know. I- I'm going to start with FSU escaping Clemson in overtime. Uh, a little homer action here. Man, uh, what a banger. Went to overtime. Clemson in firm control in the first half of the game. FSU not looking like themselves for the first quarter and a half. Uh, some quick scores to get to halftime. FSU looks like it's in control. Get to the third quarter. Um, some really, really head-scratching offensive coordinator issues for FSU. Did a lot of stuff that wasn't really normal. Uh, Clemson just, uh, Clemson's for, I think, the second time this year. This is their second Clemsoning. Uh, FSU sends a blindside blitz unblocked. Um, we scoop and score, kind of changes the momentum of the game. And then, uh, Clemson has FSU dead to rights so under two minutes left in the fourth quarter. Was it a walk on kicker? Very untested kicker comes in, misses a makeable field goal. We go to overtime. Uh, FSU just throwing spaghetti at the wall with a fade route. It works every 12 times, and uh, I'll be damned. It worked on the 12th time. Head-scratching move by Clemson in overtime. They're running the ball all over us all day. Uh, they get to a third and short. They run this weird screen pass. doesn't work, and then they load up to run the ball and just they blank out, lose at home. Absolute shock in Daboville. Uh, John, any extra notes, anything that I missed there? I got one. Yeah, TJ, go ahead. That screen pass, <laughs> that is out of the Les Mile playbook when you have that one receiver right behind another receiver and you throw it. I have never seen that play gain yards. And we used to run that at least twice a game for 12 years under Les Miles. I, I just don't understand the call. Like you no, have- I, with that little time, you, you should be just chucking it down the field. And, and you're, well, 
Woods in overtime, and you've been running yeah. over FSU the whole game. You have Mafa, who's a total load. You have Will Shipley, who's extremely, you know, ball secure. And it's like, don't outsmart yourself in overtime. And I don't know, such a bizarre ending to the game offensively, kind of out of character for Clemson to kind of miscoach their way out of a win. Uh, John, just speak a little to your, your notes here on the FSU game. Uh, what were you guys just talking about? The running, we, like not running the ball? No, so Clemson in the fourth quarter, or overtime, overtime. Have third and short, and it's overtime, and they don't run it. They throw a screen pass. Like, Yeah. I, FSU is doing a really good job stopping the run. I mean, there was a couple that got away from them, but anytime uh, Shipley or Mafa would bust one off, either Verse or uh, Renardo Green got run over by Shipley in one of the runs, and the very next play he got him for a tackle for loss, and yeah. that kept happening between them. So they're probably thinking like they're they're kind of having a, a easier time on the run with us, not easier, but like they're matching us on the run. So try to get them off, maybe off uh, off their guard. It and then the good, yeah, maybe maybe they should have, but they didn't. <laughs> Yeah, and then the one slant route or the one curl route that they ran that didn't work costing the game. Ellis or Clemson rather killed Florida State on third down conversions, on long conversions in the middle of the field the entire game. That was painful. Yeah, that's something. That's something. Uh, Adam Fuller's gonna have to figure out. He's probably not gonna have a job there next year. Yeah, fine by me. Um, great game. FSU needed a big win. Uh, sometimes I think maybe it's, is it Alex Adkins or is it Norvell where they just kind of outsmart themselves on offense sometimes? I don't know if that's it, man. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to blame the coaches on this one. You have a not, you have a not 100% Jordan Travis. Yeah. And if he can't run, the run game doesn't work because if there's no threat of him running, you can just sell out to stop the running backs. The O-line isn't that good at run blocking just now. You need the threat of Travis to pull it and run to spread okay. things out. And if they're probably thinking we can just send our two big ass, you know, first round receivers down the sidelines, throw it up 50 50. If they come down with it half of the time, we're going to win. And they do. Yeah. And we did. And they, they outscored the team. We outscored Clemson 24 to seven after we went down 17 10. Yeah. So some momentum there. So well, big win. it's it's just not they're ugly wins, but they're wins, man. And we yeah. got through the first month, arguably the harder the hardest part of our schedule, four and oh. They have a basically two weeks off because we have Virginia Tech after the bye week. I think you should start Tate in the Virginia Tech. You can beat them by two touchdowns with Tate Rotomaker easily. Yeah, give Jordan Travis a little ice bath the just whole time. Let him because you're gonna need him to run versus Miami. You're he's gonna have to run. And Duke. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see about that. Oh, all right. Well, uh, big game for FSU here. Um, we'll let Jeff speak to this a little bit later when he gets here. He has our resident gator. Surprising outcome. Florida does not cover against Charlotte. Um, strange head scratcher. I watched a little bit of that game. Seemed funky. Florida seemed very vulnerable against sprint option, uh, which, you know, no, note it down if you're an FSU fan. That's something they look like they struggled with. They've got a big game we're going to talk about here in the pick pool. Just figured I would uh, 
<clears throat> point that out here. Uh, Ohio State outlast Notre Dame in an absolute, you know, phone booth boxing match game here. John, I know you're a resident ha- part-time Notre Dame fan. Would you like to speak to the agony of the Irish here? Uh, no agony on my part. I'm not. I'm not a fan of theirs anymore. I'm like they. I'm rooting for Clemson to beat them. Like here on out, it's I'm FSU, LSU, and Clemson fans because that's if they keep winning, we look better. Oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, again, the the ten men on the field. Yeah. Who are the freaking? Just grab the ball. Yeah. <laughs> you guys. And- that's pure coaching because you're a defensive line of coach. You, your safety should always be counting immediately or someone in your safety or free safety. That's on the coach staff for not knowing, hey, there's 10 guys out there or a spotter up top not staying. Yeah. I mean, the first play, yeah, you should have had a guy like on the sideline ready to pop on for the second play. Well, apparently that wasn't the first game that that had happened in. There was a game earlier in the year where Notre Dame had pulled that. So. I think it was Army. Whoever they played in the fir- in the game in Ireland that happened, right? So the, yeah. I, I think a lot of people I think a lot of people make a lot of assumptions about what it takes <clears throat> to coach at a high level, mm-hmm. and it's just like if you don't have every little angle of the game absolutely covered at all times, the smallest, most like face palm type of stuff can undo you. But I mean, dude, two plays in a row with that little time left with ten men on the field is just like it's moronic. In a bad season, that catches that that'll cost you your job. Yes, and um, couldn't the nose tackle just who, whatever defensive lineman is closest to the ball just yeah. grab it? Well, yeah. What's that? Just what's move that? the ball. Get that penalty. You're gonna move to the half yard line. Yeah, but what's you can half? get all eleven on there. What's the half the distance of the goal penalty gonna do for you? you know? Yeah, yeah. I think it was just a moment, man. I think Notre Dame. Probably couldn't believe that Ohio State had been stagnant the whole game, and they were just kind of like in a tailspin that last quarter. But hats off to Ohio State. Right. Obviously, yeah. Ryan Day. Ryan Day very emotional after the game. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, a geriatric old man pissed him off. I mean, that's all it took was Lou Holt saying we're a soft team, and look at Ryan Day all full of piss and vinegar now. But yeah, he's all he's all puffed up at someone that's half what was it two feet in the grave already. Uh, <laughs> I know he's still alive at this point. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Lou Holtz, you know, armchair quarterbacking. Hats off to Lou Holtz, though. I do miss Lou Holtz. He's a great analyst. Um, the original Cottonmouth King. I think he I think he was just also trolling because he's a no former Notre Dame uh, coach. I mean, he oh, I think yeah. he's got a pretty, pretty legitimate points. I don't think Lou Holtz is ever too far off base. I think he's a lot more of a troll than people give him credit for. People are always just like, who is this wily old man, like, still talking football? But, uh, ask Mark May how, uh, how smart Lou Holtz is. And he'll <laughs> give me a long conversation because he always outpicked Mark May. Uh, we he do did. miss, we always miss the, uh, the Saturday night special with, uh, Reese Davis and Mark May. But, I uh, miss that. it was great. Great television. Great, uh, great <coughs> to the game. I think what's interesting about Lou Holtz is just a. I think he knew more about locker rooms than any other coach I've ever heard heard talk. Like he could feel where a team was at, and I think that's. uh, I think that's something that's really cool and special, and uh, that kind of insight, you know, you don't usually pay extra for that. So, uh, speaking of how teams feel on the sideline, Oregon has all the smoke for Colorado. (laughs) 
Absolutely. Wasn't that fun? Absolutely. <laughs> dog walks. Dog walks Colorado in Autzen Zoo for all four quarters. Probably could have made it way worse. Uh, Bo Nix looking like the second coming of Vince Young uh, with all the first half touchdowns. Uh, I mean, an absolute beating from start to finish. I think I saw or heard rather. Colorado's given up the most sacks in the FBS. Um, probably a little bit of a charity point there at the end. They scored a touchdown to avoid the goose. I was hoping for the goose. Um, it seems like it's not as easy as roster swapping uh, to get in and then, you know, change a program around. Obviously, first year. Not in the trenches. No, not in the trenches. I think that was the most obvious thing is that the recruiting up front with the big boys makes a huge difference. Yep. Uh, so, you know, obviously it's really fun to kind of pounce on Coach Prime right now and all the hype and all the kind of, you know, all the crow they've been throwing out here the last couple of weeks. ESPN's obviously been, like, their number one paparazzi. Um, Oregon really showed up. It wasn't close. Um, obviously, similar outcome to last year. Not too unexpected, but getting hammered by 40-something-odd points is never a good look. And uh, Oregon looking like a very dominant team, looking like a very competitive team. So I uh, just figured we talk about that there. But it's like the uh, the obligatory reaction here. Um, but again, Oregon looking like a contender. Pac-12 is loaded. They're not the only good team. So it'll be interesting to see. Oregon typically has that one game where it's a head scratcher. Do they fumble the ball? against Utah. Yeah. And Utah still without that's, Cam Rising. That's this weekend. No, Utah, Utah plays Oregon State. Mm, it says right here. Oh, no, that's October 29th. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Utah, and that's one of the big games that's not on the board. It's on a Friday night. So we. Yeah, October 28th. That's a good segue here. Um, that was last week's news. This is this week's news. These are all the big games I thought were interesting. Uh, you guys feel free to add one in. There weren't too many games that were overly crazy interesting. Uh, Louisville. Uh, undefeated Louisville, by the way, going to mm-hmm. the House of Horrors. They are only three-and-a-half-point favorites when I saw the spread. Uh, big test for them. NC State has a really, really good defensive front. They have a really, say. really good defense. It's like a top-ten defense in the nation. I can't say much else about NC State that's positive ever after having watched Notre Dame really kind of take it to them. Uh, Louisville with a chance here to kind of continue their win streak kind of off the radar. I know there was a lot of uh, kind of media hype coming into the season as far as Louisville was concerned. Uh, this is a big test for them. Obviously, I think, you know, they played really closely against Georgia Tech, who looks decent, but I think they have depth issues. So I think this will be their stiffest test to date. This one is not on the big pool. This would have been an interesting one, one of those ugly ACC matchups that, Seem to be not all that important, but I just don't have much faith in NC State's offense. So uh, let's see. So the night game, Carter Friendly, House of Horrors. Oh man, that's yeah, yeah. You've got Armstrong, the transfer quarterback. He's been playing decently. Oh, here's a big problem. He's the leading rusher for NC State as well, with three rushing touchdowns though. So I don't know. It's going to come down to Louisville's defense. They've looked pretty good. Uh, basically mirror defenses on paper. I think Louisville could run the ball a little bit more on offense. They're definitely passing a lot more. Uh, but I don't know. It's hard to tell this early. 
they did wash BC pretty hard. And uh, BC's rushing quarterback is pretty good. So that's strength on strength. Louisville was able to contain a mobile quarterback. NC State has a mobile quarterback. They barely got over the hump against UVA, who is not a good football team last week. So just wanted to keep an eye on here. I'm glad I don't have to pick it. Within, is, uh, uh, is Kansas, Texas on this one? Kansas, Texas is not on this one. That's a one. huge one. It's a huge one. And oddly enough... Texas is favored by 16 and a half, which I think <laughs> I hate that. I, I would take Kansas. I would take Kansas to cover for sure. I would take Kansas to win. I would take Kansas with a low point value to win this game. I don't think Kansas is scared. I don't think Texas has played anything that looks or resembles a competent offense up until this point. And if Texas, or I'm sorry, if Kansas can come in, and they can score a couple of quick times and kind of keep the game within reason, I think you're going to see a shootout. I'm definitely going to tune into this game. I'd love to see Me Texas Heath throw. Uh, so that was a big one that wasn't on. <clears throat> and then you mentioned earlier Utah up for a big test here against the uh, Oregon State. Takes, well, hell, they go Oregon to Corvallis, State. right? They're going to Corvallis. Uh, that's uh, that's like the NC State of the Pac-12. Washington State, happy to leave with a victory, it took an onside kick recovery to beat the Beavers in a game that was out of hand at one point. Mm -hmm. So Utah still rolling without Cam Rising. Is this where Utah falls apart? Oregon State favored at home three points. I I like it. Friday night. Mm. Who's their quarterback? The backup? Um, they rolled up all three, but they just been they become more of a like a ground and pound team. Yeah, on third I like so, that. I mean, they're weather. <laughs> they can control the clock better. I mean, the quarterback is the one who started the first game because I think the third string got hurt or he was just even worse. But he can make the the little throws, game manage it, and just run the ball. So that's yeah. why I think they're a little better in this situation. And I think that, and also if you look at Utah, has a great offensive line this year. Very yeah. quietly has had a strong one. Well, would, you would say their strength is their defense, right? Oh, their defense is definitely their strength. And defense travels. Uh, defense travels, and they're, ba- and they're, I think, one of the more battle-tested teams in college football right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's been I'm glad I don't have to pick that game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's ugly Pac-12 football right there. That mm-hmm. might be a one spot. Yeah, so big battle. I'll definitely tune in on that one. That'll be worth the price of admission there. Uh, and those again are oh, Friday. Just yeah. a little doubleheader right there. So that's a little tasty entree. Do a little, maybe do a little workout with the TV on in the background. Maybe a little treadmill work here. Um, we got now. See, this one really blows my mind. <clears throat> I don't know how South Carolina versus Tennessee is not on this schedule. Oh yeah, it's a good call. Volunteers. I mean. Hey, look. There's two. What do I? Who do I trust less? South Carolina, Spencer Radler, or Tennessee with Joe Milton? Like, hmm. this is the who do I trust less bowl, and I don't have an answer. For you. Is I, Tennessee injured at O line? No, they're just they just lost that much. That's been one of the well, problems. They've been replacing guys. This year, and they don't have the run game either like they did last year. I mean, they, they lost a lot. Of, it's not just the quarterback. It's they lost all their good skill players from last year as well. And they didn't have a good defense last year. And I think no. the defense worse this year. 
Yeah, I mean they all they did last year was you know um, Brent you know was Brandon Hooker just went wild every game and put fifty plus points up. Yeah, this is gonna Tennessee Tennessee at home by twelve. But you can't. But Spencer Rattler always has since he's been the SC has that one wild ass game where he looks like that freshman year of Oklahoma too. And could this be that crazy ass game? Now, when you see this up and down from South Carolina. Is it fair to say at this point that this is a Coach Beamer issue? Probably. I mean, Beamer ball. Let's say last year they looked good, but they fell apart. You know, well, they looked good for a couple of games and they fell apart. So, I mean, I just think it may be time to hang up old Beamer ball and go something else. Yeah. I just thought it was curious that they couldn't get, like, I don't know. Like, they just can't get consistency with that team. So, I don't know. Interesting game. I think well, they they have two linebackers and a D lineman out. Tennessee or South Carolina? Tennessee. Okay. For the I season. Think game, I think this game's going to be close. Uh, yeah, so I wouldn't be shocked to see South Carolina win this one. And it's at night in Neyland. I think that Florida loss took a lot out of their sales because they just – Got bullied by a not so great football team, so and I think they expected to win it. Yeah, yeah, they came in there with that. With you could tell us that actually, like, yeah, we we already got the win. South Carolina not running the ball well though. That's the big. One. Although Tennessee has a god awful. Yeah. Uh, well, no. yeah, Florida really put it to them. It's hard to tell. Uh, I don't know. South Carolina had a shootout with Mississippi State, who doesn't really have an offense, so. This is going to be an ugly game here. Uh, wow. Interesting. And then one more game here, and not for, like, entertainment purposes, but just kind of, like, curiosity purposes. Huskies on a roll. I don't know if anybody here that watches the podcast has been paying attention to the Washington Huskies. Michael Penix is looking really good. Washington Huskies very quietly there at one of the more remote outposts in college football. Uh, keep in mind, I believe up to this point the only Pac-12 school – to make the college football playoff, if I'm not mistaken. Washington Huskies. No, no. Oregon kicked our ass in the Rose Bowl. But that we was... We were at the, that game. Was that a college football playoff? Yeah. Oh, n- yes? The yes. first one ever. Oregon beat oh, yeah, the shit yeah. out okay. of us. Sorry. The most, re- <laughs> sorry, the most recent... Did you... Did you... School. Did you bury that down I deep, Josh? Out. <laughs> I blacked out. I forgot about that. Yeah, okay. Well, take two. Uh, the most recent team to appear in the college football playoff, Washington Huskies, uh, or maybe the latest. Interesting. Uh, you've got Arizona kind of, I don't know. We don't know too much about them right now. They haven't really played the meat of their schedule. Maybe they got garbage. a little something out there. It's going to be, it's going to be at Arizona. It's going to be a late kick. You might want to hammer minus 18 and a half. Seems like a wide line, but. Who are they um, playing? They're playing the Arizona Wildcats. Washington Huskies. Oh, dude, no, they're going to murder them. Michael Penix with 1,600 yards so far, 16 touchdowns, two interceptions. So uh, you've yeah, got a that's, big – That's not a game. That's just one of those things, though, that they play tonight. I'm going to phone the movie now. you got a real big <laughs> – you got a big collision the next week – or, uh, sorry, the bye week between Oregon and Washington. So that's going to be a big one. I think one to keep your eye on is Michigan and Nebraska. I don't think Nebraska has yeah. the 
They yeah. don't have the offense, but maybe um, the defense can keep it in them. It's in, it's in Lincoln. It's in Lincoln, but you, you got yeah. Harp the second game back. I mean, they're still clicking on all cylinders. There's nothing, dude. I literally, there's literally no one worse, probably in like major FBS football at quarterback. They just don't have another option behind that guy. And he's it's not back. playing. They're not. He's, oh. Just Sims is not playing. Oh, Sims is out. Yeah, he's. They're not. Okay. He's benched. So they have a, a shadow of a chance. They're gonna roll the dice with whoever else. Harper. <laughs> Harper. That sounds like the Jets scheme, right? Jets attitude right now too. Is Chubba Purdy still there? No, I don't believe so. Well, Nebraska only allowing 46 yards per game rushing, which is surprising. Uh, that's a stout yeah. defense. Yeah, but did, didn't they get torched by Col- by Colorado though? Uh, he- I think Jeff Sims like twelve turnovers had a lot more to do with that game. Probably that uh, too. But I mean, let's see who the spread is here. Oh, no, Chubba Purdy still at Nebraska. Oh man, that's strange. Well, Michigan by Michigan favored seventeen on the road. Ouch, that seems wide. I don't think Michigan's good. I don't think they're good at all. I'll be the first one to say it. I don't think their offense is dynamic. I don't Do you think, think Penn they're... State is the cream of the crop there or Ohio State? <sighs> I can't be- I don't believe Penn State until I see Penn State. I or just Do you just think the Big 10 is not not there this year? I just don't believe Penn State until I see them in a big spot. I just they have consistently crumbled. I think it's psychological. Um I mean Penn State's look good. But who have they played? They played a really bad West Virginia. Well, not a really bad West Virginia team, but no. Yeah, I, I, Penn State. Uh, what did, what have they done? They've kicked around a shitty Iowa team. They kicked around a shitty Delaware team. They kicked a shitty Illinois team around. Uh, I don't know. We'll see, man. It, it's definitely going to come down to the psychological edge. Can James Franklin break through? They've got a couple more games here before things get hairy for them. They've got Northwestern, UMass, nice warm-up. Ohio State, <clears throat> I'm interested in Maryland. They also have to play Maryland. So Maryland very quietly 4-0, unranked still. But Yeah, that's was, amazing offense. Yeah. It's always just throwing their side, though. It's always been Michigan State. Even though I know Michigan State's going through some with the Mel Tucker situation, which I yeah. know he officially got fired today, if I'm not mistaken, also. You're they, correct. It seems like they have always been the team to pop Penn State some out of the playoffs, out of anything. Not this year. year. <laughs> Not this year? Not this year? Not this year. Okay. They're in complete free fall. Although they could get them at the end of the year when it doesn't matter and they've already kind of psychologically tapped out. Uh, they play the Michigan players. State? Michigan State plays Penn State last game of the regular season. So. Yeah, well, Michigan State is going to win big. Year. I mean... Some to play for, in my opinion. I think it comes down to which team, which Ohio State team do we see in this Penn State matchup, and which Penn State team do we see? Because it's at Ohio State, which is crazy. It is. Uh, I think Ohio State's beatable. I don't think they're. I don't know. I to me, I think the best thing about this season, the best and worst thing about this season, is I think anybody can win at this point. Like you could see. I was just gonna say that. There's not a dominant team this no. year. Georgia, yes. maybe, but I'm not that impressed with Georgia. 
Washington Huskies have looked the best, in my opinion. And now that may be due to whom they've played, but, I mean, you can't knock them. They're doing what they're supposed to. Oregon looks it, good. Not to go too homer here, but <laughs> Florida State's 4-0. and We can't run the ball. We beat LSU and Clemson in Death Valley. In, at Clemson. Sorry, TJ, not Death Valley. Thank you. <laughs> at Clemson. Yeah, War Memorial. And we're still not clicking. Once our offense clicks, we we could be in that mix, man. Like as the best team in the country. I'm just and our our defense, like yeah, we give up a lot of frustrating plays and a lot of yards. We don't give up a lot of points. I'm just worried about like do like I want to see us come out and just like steamroll the teams we should steamroll like. That BC game really bothers me because it's like, not only are you better on paper, but you have a big commanding league. Like, why would you let that team play themselves back into that football game? Because you know it was I mean? two weird plays, Josh. You said it yourself. I, the ball, it's a weird shaped ball and it bounces funny, man. I, Sometimes I it. it just happens. I just want that dominance, baby. You know, I want that 2013 well, just. Well, ass. they're not that good. They're you, not. You they're not that. Yeah, yeah they're know. not that. But this is a good year to not be that team because you don't exactly. need to be that. Exactly. No, you don't need to no be that this year. I mean, okay. everyone's beatable right now. Everyone is flaw. Everyone has a big flaw. You can beat anyone right now. I mean, I don't see an undefeated team making the playoffs this year. No. Or if they do, it'll be a pretty soft like twelve and zero. I think Texas, unfortunately, has the best shot, but we'll see. What I think Oklahoma is, is cooking something. I think that I wouldn't say they're back, but I think they're cooking something really, really nice. Can't wait for the River River shootout. But um, I will always say, petty hate always wins. It'll take a Oklahoma lot. has a lot of petty hate towards Texas. <laughs> Who doesn't? Jayhawks. I, I think they have the most right now. I mean, they have the only. I mean, all of us call the rivalry with them, but it's basically SEC versus Texas. Yeah. But realistically, it's Oklahoma. I mean, that's a – I didn't know until I worked logistics how much, like, there is just a pure hate between Texas and Oklahoma. Where, like, Texas truckers will not drive to Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I'm not you know, like, like, oh, I'm not going – I'll go anywhere but Oklahoma. It's click, and I'm like, oh, this isn't just a football thing, is it? Yeah. TJ, correct me if I'm wrong. Like, I feel like LSU and maybe even Arkansas fans, just because of geographically where you are, ha- could have, like, tension and animosity with those Big 12 schools. Yeah. Well, I can see that. Hey, look, it doesn't take long to get annoyed with Texas. I think no, it does. Well, their fans are insufferable. Well, their fans have other colors in their cl- in their closets too of other teams. I see a lot of Texas fans who in nineteen were wearing Burrow jerseys after third and seventeen happened. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's Texas. Texas is such a and they, I'm gonna get flack. I don't care. It's such a fair weather fan state because there's so many teams you can switch to. And yeah. I've noticed there's, I mean, some. I mean, there are some deep sea like Texas A and M people, but a lot everywhere else they'll float. Like to whoever the fair weather team is right now. So right now Texas is good, but you know I'll get into later when we talk about A and M's game. You know that could be a big switch coming up soon or not. Who, who has a more <laughs> punchable? 
who has a more punchable face? Bevo, Bevo the plush mascot or Steve Sarkeesian? Steve Sarkeesian. Jerry <laughs> Jones. Oh, uh, yeah, Jerry Jones. <laughs> uh, what's the owner of the Texans' name? That's uh, the punchable uh, face. Yeah. Just no, for guy- hiring Bill O'Brien. Just for making, just allowing him to do what he did. The, the owner of the Raiders, Al Davis' son. He might he might have the most punchable haircut. Um, but, <laughs> hey, you know what? Let's stay in the Lone Star State here. TJ, our local resident uh, LSU guy here, give us your two games of the week here, TJ. Uh, give us the good five minutes on the games that you selected, and uh, let us know what your thoughts are. Let's first start with A&M and Arkansas. LSU played Arkansas, so I had a good chance to watch them, and I watched the uh, – A&M, A&M, um, Auburn game beforehand. The one thing I'll say about A&M, they will be starting a new quarterback this week. Good old Max Johnson. Know a lot about him. He came in, threw a couple touchdowns, looked good. The only thing is there was no pressure on the whole game because Auburn's in full rebuild mode. They had no offense, and honestly, there have been three more touchdowns where receivers, I'm talking, are wide open, beat the corner, but their quarterback is throwing 15 yards past them. This week, Arkansas, I think, right now has the second-best quarterback in the SEC, K.J. Jefferson, um, dual-threat quarterback, great decision-making, has a, oh, doesn't have the best line, doesn't have the best line, kind of average, but he can make up with his feet. Um, defensively, Arkansas does have a good D-line, was causing pressure on Jane to make him run out of the get a couple sacks on him as well. Um, I see this game going to see – it's basically come down with this game is Matt Johnson – how is he going to handle pressure? Because at LSU, that's when he became very erratic. He would force throws. He would lock on receivers. Um, I Sometimes I believe when you have tendencies like that, they're very, very, very hard to break over time. I mean, he does have the luxury of having his brother as a t- starting tight end there who, you know, you can't, you know, that's something you can't destroy. But I just don't – I just want to see what happens here. I've – I want to say Arkansas may have the chance. I think they're a better overall team so far that I've seen. But if Matt Johnson has proven he can get past dealing with pressure, then A&M's going to slaughter him. I got, I got two notes here, TJ, about this okay. game. Okay. <clears throat> Speaking of Jerry Jones and things that are punchable, this game is actually in Dallas for the millionth year in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a Jerry world, which will be probably 70% capacity. Um, which is odd. I'd like to see this game home and away. Uh, so not a big home field advantage for either team here. I think this would make a huge difference if this game was at Aggieland. Um, also, just a quick question, man. It looks like KJ Jefferson did all he could to win that game against LSU. My question is, is how much does that guy have in the tank left for this game? I think he has a bunch. The main problem with Arkansas against LSU was probably 20-plus penalties. That's what killed them because they had th- two touchdowns called back due to holding. And I'm not yeah. talking it's one of those home penalties where you kind of think, you know, the line grab. No, I'm talking you grabbed them like this and That's it's like holding on for dear life. Yeah. That was their problem. Stupid offensive PI penalties. You take those away, Arkansas probably beats LSU. Yeah. No, but I still believe Arkansas, even if Max comes out and is able to throw, I still think Arkansas is going to. It's going to be a close game no matter what. Yeah. But I, it's going to come down to can whoever can establish the running. That's one thing also Arkansas, I've noticed both teams having trouble with so far. 
I'll tell you what, too, man. If you haven't watched this game the last couple of years, this has been one of the best games of the year. The last, like, four times I've played. It's been an absolute battle every time I've watched it, and it's mm-hmm. been fantastic. Hey, your mic's got to Stand away, Josh. Come in. You sound far away. Oh, I'm sorry. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we can hear no. just your mic kind of did that thing where you sound like you're lower. Oh, okay. I think it's the internet connection here. Um, no, I was just saying, man, this has been one of the better games. Uh, well, it's usually a, usually a slugfest. A lot of hate between these schools out of nowhere. So, it's always a good game. But I would, if, but my choosing right now, Hart set, Hart wants Arkansas to win because I like Pittman too as a coach. Brain saying A&M, sadly. Since 2009, Arkansas has only beat Texas A&M four times in as many tries. Hmm. So they well, played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. They've beaten them four out of fourteen times. Well, we'll see what happens this week, but uh, it's going to be a close game. It's got to be a close game because uh, well, who's it? Um, Arkansas has a really good tight end, number nine. He's kind of like a Jimmy Graham build, but he is very loose and has some very good top end speed for a guy his size. All right. So, All right. close one here. Close one here. I said A and M most likely. Just it just depends on Max. It's a hundred percent on Max Johnson. Well, you had another game here, Bayou Special. Uh, the old John, Joey Freshwater here special. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is more punchable? Is it Lane Kiffin or Brian Kelly? Ah, wow. It's, you know, just for the boomer cringe on Brian Kelly, it's kind <laughs> of like you always kind of want to. But then Lane Kiffin just shows up in the room and you just feel the sleazeball grease just drip on you from afar. And it's like, yeah, yeah I got to punch him, don't I? He's going to punch back, but I got to get one in. Yeah. Well, let us uh, let us know the details here. I know you're Mr. LSU, the insider here. What's okay. your inside shot at uh, LSU at all this? Well, first off, this is the Magnolia Bowl between both schools. This is something I'm very big. Um, Ole Miss is going to be celebrating the 2003 co-SEC West champions led by Eli Manning. Hey, um, real quick, guys. You want to know why they're called co-champions? Because they... No, no, it's because Chad Lovely of LSU in the last three plays of that game between LSU and Ole Miss when Eli was being top of the Heisman, decided, you know what, if I chuck the center every play into Eli, we win. And that's way different when he plays straight. But just literally chuck another human into Eli and have him fall every play. So I don't understand why you're bringing that group up in when you didn't get play in Atlanta. Yeah. Wait, well, hey, it's Ole Miss. Yeah, it's Ole Miss, so doing anything. So let's go to both teams. LSU has slugfest fight with Arkansas. Um, we are proving right now we are really bad at cornerback. Offense, offense definitely starts slow, but once they got kicking, um, they win full drive. Um, running back situation is hot hand, but when you have five, we're back to being old school LSU. We got five guys who can start for any team in college football right now. So we have constant fresh legs. Jaden's dialed in with um, Malik Neighbors and Thomas, and we've had Thomas Jr. show at number 11, who has showed up as the best, as the number two receiver now. We're playing Ole Miss team just coming off a Alabama loss. I made sure to watch that game because I wanted to, I had 
that's why I lost the pick, folks. I picked Ole Miss to win. Last time I do that plane. Um, Ole Miss, their biggest problem is they have a paper-thin offensive line. They had players open the whole game. I mean, they got a big touchdown wide receiver, and they were still wide open. But every play, Bama's D-line would just get through and chase down Dart. I mean, Dart was pretty beat up after that game. Um, that's why I think LSU definitely has the advantage. We do have a very, very good – I think we have one of the better D-line front sevens right now. It's just our DBs are really bad. Um, I see us winning just for hopefully just do the same thing Bama did, shut down the pass game. They have no, they have abysmal run game as well. And defensively, they have some, but just not enough. Like, again, they ran – the main reason Bama beat them, they ran out of gas. Well, I tell you what, um, LSU favored only two and a half. I thought that was strange uh, in terms of the line here. Any any insight as to why that would be? It's just because our defense, our our def- our secondary. I mean, we are missing Greg Brooks so bad. We're also missing a couple of our guys who were supposed to be starters, but got hurt in camp and are still still are not are still unavailable. We are okay. we have I think two freshmen and a sophomore playing corners. We do have one season safety, and the other one's a sophomore. So that's just, it's just a bunch of young guys still learning right now. Okay, um, so it's just a little bit closer than we might want it if you're an LSU fan. Yeah. But, like I said, Ole Miss's main problem is their offensive line. I mean, they were god-awful against Bama. Just yeah. god-awful. And LSU, I, I have no problem saying we have a better defensive line than Alabama right now. Because, okay. uh, I mean, Mason Smith finally turned on um, against Arkansas towards the end, was being that, you know, almost beat-to-via, like, strength going, you know, tearing O-line into the backfield. Yeah. Well, so it seems like uh, you're pretty confident here. LSU gets this dub. Uh, you want to lean either way and tell us how many points you want to put on, or you're just going to hold the hand close to the vest this week? Uh, this one, it can go two ways. It's either going to be real tight, or it's just going to be a straight blow up by LSU. I mean, yeah. it's, it's one of the two. I mean, I don't see – there's no way Ole Miss is going to blow out this game. I can see them – I can see them like I did at Bama. They may play us the first half. But LSU has definitely been a second-half team this season. Um, seems like that's been Brian Kelly's um, halftime adjustments are getting, like, really good. Um, so I can see if they will, they will play this first half, second half, we're going to beat them probably, I would say, about by 14. Okay. Solid victory here. Going to hit that minus two and a half if you're feeling lucky. Um, John, if you want to take us uh, with your two games of the week here, uh, go ahead and lead All off. Right. and. Let us know what your thoughts are. All right, so I've got the first one. West Virginia is TCU hosts West Virginia at 7 at M&G Carter Stadium. Carter Stadium. They both come in at 3-1. and one. I think TCU has a slightly more impressive schedule. Uh, TCU is looking to make a trip back to the Big 12 championship game, so and maybe back to the playoffs. I doubt it. West Virginia is still trying to make noise in the Big 12, right? So West Virginia leads the all-time series. Seven wins and five losses, according to Winsipedia. And they they have won four of the last five. But last year, last time we played TCU, won by 10, 41-31 in Morgantown. Um, Mountaineers' defense is kind of porous to begin with, and they've lost their starting safety, Keyshawn Cobb, for the rest of the season. And they're already missing their starting DB, like best DB, Montreal Miller. 
And TCU comes in with zero injuries. So that should be a factor. TCU is going to use tempo, move the ball pretty balanced. They have uh, 200 yards rushing and 300 yards passing per game. But they and West Virginia seems to struggle with the concept of defense. So <laughs> big numbers for TCU's offense. Uh, conversely, TCU struggles to stop the pass, giving up the same number as they gain. So they gain exactly and give up 292. And I think the Colorado game may have inflated that a little bit. Uh, so TCU, they sell out to stop the run. So the run defense is their strength. Uh, the only game they've given up more than 100 was the SMU. That was 150. Every other game they've played, they've given up less than 100 points. And West Virginia's strength is the run game. So if TCU is able to take that away, it's going to be a long day for West Virginia. Uh, Vegas likes TCU big time. They're giving West Virginia 12.5. West Virginia is a plus 400. TCU is a minus 560. The over-under is 43. Uh, I think TCU rolls in this one, and I would put them in the 10 spot, honestly. Yeah. Okay. Excellent analysis here. Uh, TCU, I think they're a little shell-shocked that first game. I know we talk about Super Bowl hangover uh, whenever a Super Bowl team loses the Super Bowl. Uh, they kind of have a hard time that next year adjusting. TCU lost a lot from that team last year, a lot of really good players. Um, Chad Morris definitely stepping up there. He played really well all so far this year. Uh, I agree with the year. TCU, I think they exposed West Virginia. Uh, Pitt is a lot worse of a team than I thought they were, and West Virginia struggled with them. So I'm going to go heavy TCU, too. Uh, probably going to be one of my more confident picks. Yeah. And then you had the – my second game is Notre Dame going to Duke. That's a 6:30 kickoff at Wallace Wade. Uh, Notre Dame is a five and a half point road favorite. I think it's up to six right now. Uh, it's a chance for Notre Dame to get back on track after their their first loss at home to Ohio State. And Duke is looking to show everyone that their marquee win versus Clemson is wasn't a fluke. They're for real as a contender in the ACC. Uh, like I said. Notre Dame comes in four and one. Their heartbreaker last year that we touched earlier with just terrible defensive coaching. Uh, they've looked solid though. They have veteran QB Sam Hartman, the transfer. He's playing at a pretty high level. He, he has 1200 yards passing, 14 touchdowns and 70% completion percentage. No turnovers, zero. So Duke beat Clemson because Cade Klubnick could not take care of the football. Yeah. That's not going to happen with Sam Hartman. Uh, they're fairly balanced. They have a thousand yards on the ground already, and they're leading rushers, Audric Estime. Um, they're disciplined, seven penalties, really per game, six, 62 yards per, per game in penalties. That's not, that's not bad. Uh, Duke is 4-0 though. They led by QB Riley Leonard, who seems legit. I mean, He's mobile, decent arm, he's accurate, good vision. He's like, dare I say, Daniel Jones, but before he went to the Giants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pre-Giants Daniel Jones. <laughs> his stats are in his are not as impressive as Hartman's, um, but Hartman does have one one extra game, right? Leonard is seven seventy eight yards passing, two touchdowns, sixty seven percent completions, and also under turnovers though. Uh, they're balanced on offense, 896 yards passing, 802 yards rushing on the season. 
Jordan Walters has 250 yards rushing, but their second leading leading rusher is Leonard with 238. Um, Notre Dame has dominated this matchup all time. Five wins, two losses. Uh, Duke's last win came versus Irish 2016. Guess who the quarterback was? <laughs> Daniel Jones, baby. Daniel Jones. But Notre Dame, last time they won, beat, uh, played was 2020. They won 27-13. Uh, Duke comes into the game a little healthier than Notre Dame with no significant injuries. The Irish are going to be without wideout Dion Colsey and wideout Jaden Thomas, which sucks because Colsey is, is Jaden Thomas's backup. And Thomas is the leading receiver. So they're down to freshman uh, wide receivers. Uh, Duke's defensive backs could have an easier time stopping the passing game if they don't figure that out. Um, so they're going to – the Irish are probably going to lean on the run game pretty heavy, which has been pretty good this season. And Duke gave up 200 yards rushing to Clemson. That's like – that's the biggest comparison I can come up with for Notre Dame, for Notre Dame is Clemson. They're – Probably in that same ballpark. Um, but this is why you get Sam Hartman too, right? For the for the experience. Duke yeah, is healthier. Duke is healthier. Uh, there's less questions about what they're going to do. They're balanced with their QB that that keeps you honest because he can run the ball. The, Notre Dame did a pretty good job good job on Mar- Marvin Harrison Jr. too, and they only they held Ohio State to 17 points. That's not I mean, Ohio State isn't lighting anyone on fire, but they've 17 points is not a lot. And Kyle McCord, Ohio State's running back, cannot move like uh, Riley Leonard can. So that does that's a wrinkle to look for. Um, this game has both the it's a it's a must have for both games for both teams. Notre Dame with their loss already, their their playoff chances are really slim. And if they lose this one, they're done. Uh, and very tight and competitive ACC. Duke needs to keep pace with FSU, Louisville, UNC, and Miami. With, there's six undefeated ACC teams right now. That's crazy. If yeah. they want to get, if Duke wants to get to the ACC title game. So they're, they need this one because it, it's, it's going to be tough. So if it's, if you want to take the Irish, I don't know how, I'm going to go on this one. So if you want to take the Irish, I wouldn't go more than four. I'd put him in that three, four spot. But this looks like a really good game to steal some points and put Duke in that one or two spot. So with the injuries on offense and the mobile QB threat and the heartbreak that Notre Dame had last week, I could see them losing Ohio State twice. You know what I mean? Yeah, psychologically. Um, Their defense is stout. Hartman's not going to turn the ball over. If like I could see this one being like Notre Dame twenty eight, Duke twenty four, but that that leaves room to pick Duke if you want to chase some points. I I think what's interesting here, you kind of gave a point, kind of some advisories to the point. I would honestly put them lower, but I I know so little about the four kind of like undercard games that we're going to talk about here shortly. Um, that I, I don't know, man. I'm feeling strong about Duke. I think Notre Dame is wounded. I think psychologically uh, there's some questions there. Uh, the team, it's a hard meeting to have. It's hard to coach yourself out of, hey, we left 10 players on the field twice. Uh, it's a little rattle. Obviously, Sam Hartman's going to be a strong locker room presence there. But I don't know, man. Duke definitely benefited from some turnovers, as you 
as you uh, pointed out there. But I don't know, man. I like Duke here. I like Duke in this spot. Um, the nation under the ESPN pick pool here has 85% uh, pick Notre Dame of the people that are competing in this pick pool. I say fade the public. Um, I think that's that's also a percentage that you can go against. Yeah. If it's super heavy in a close game, I didn't look at the odds. I saw that uh, the last line I it's, saw, Notre Dame favored by six, but I didn't see the, it's But I didn't see the plus or the minus for the money line. It's, um, um, I didn't. I didn't mention that one. I okay. think with Riley, Le- Riley Leonard being able to move, that's going to cause a lot of problems. Yep. So, uh, we we actually had Jeff join the broadcast here. I saw him tap in here. Um, yo yo, what's up, everybody? Jeff, what's Jeff. going on, buddy? Hello, Jeff. Hey man, it's a good Wednesday night over here. How y'all doing? I'm doing well. Perfect timing. John was just wrapping up his two games of the week. Um, what I'll, what I'll do here is I'll, I'll speed read through the, uh, four less interesting games, the smaller games here, Let's and then it. we'll let you cap off, uh, with the last two games for the, uh, the more exciting ones here. So we're going to go through these pretty quick. Um, I got a little bit of information here. I think interestingly enough, Troy two and two going against undefeated Georgia State. Uh, I'm, I'm going to pick Georgia State just because they're undefeated. I don't know too much about Troy outside of the fact that they gave James Madison fits. They barely lost that game against the JMU Dukes. I'm going to go Georgia State here uh, with one point. I'll just tip my hand here. Um, I don't know much about this game. I don't know much about these teams. It was a close line. Georgia State favored by one the last time I checked at it. So to me, that looks like a coin toss. I'm going to treat it as such. Um, you got USF, scrappy USF team, two and two. They've already doubled their win total from last year. Played Alabama, about as tough as you can play them. Doesn't look like they have an offense. You've got a struggling Navy team here, which is strange. They usually uh, kind of have things clicking. You know, the midshipmen definitely going to run the ball a lot. Not a lot of passing yards. They definitely took care of business uh, against Western AG. I don't know what team that is. They looked pretty vulnerable against Notre Dame, and they lost to a good Memphis team, but it was closer than you'd think. I would go ahead and Venture to say that Memphis is probably better than FS, or UCF, or well, USF by a wide margin. Although USF did trample Rice, so some transitive property issues here. I'm going to take Navy at home. Um, Annapolis, Maryland is probably going to be pretty miserable. Uh, I didn't see the weather forecast up to date, but they're saying rainy, game time conditions, 73. Navy's favored, minus three at home. I think they're just going to be a little bit better at holding on to the ball, grinding USF down. Uh, I didn't see too much out of USF's offense. I'm going to go Navy. Uh, not overly confident here, but midshipmen for the dub. They're favored by three at home. You get James Madison bringing South Alabama in. South Alabama recently has been playing spoiler uh, against different teams. They are 2-2 two and two at this point. They are visiting um, James Madison, who's been good as of late. Uh, looks like JMU puts up a couple more yards per game and, uh, pretty stout rush defense. Uh, I don't know. South Alabama caught a loss to Central Michigan last week in a close game after that big blowout against Oklahoma State. I don't know what to read into that. Again, this is a tricky, tricky, tricky game here. UVA, not a good football team. Jam- James Madison barely beat them. They barely beat Troy and they barely beat Utah State. Here, the last four games or three games in a row, rather. So, 
I don't know what to read into this. I'm just going to take the Dukes at home. They are favored by two or sorry, three. Um, not an overly confident pick. South Alabama, again, playing fly in the ointment here in the NCAA recently. Uh, they've played some tough games and they've gotten close. So I don't have too much confidence in this team either way. They did get beat down by Tulane, but again, it's hard to read when you haven't seen a lot of conference play. Um, I'm definitely going to lean James Madison. I might flip-flop that pick here uh, with my previous game because I do think Boise State hasn't looked like themselves. They're going to visit Memphis, uh, the Memphis Tigers here. They haven't really looked like themselves. The Boise of old is kind of uh, gone a little wayward here. Looks like Memphis is about 100 yards more per game, rather 50 yards more per game on offense. Uh they're allowing Boise State's allowing a lot of uh, passing yards per game, and it looks like Memphis is pretty <clears throat> comfortable swinging around the yard. I'm not sure how to read this one. I think Memphis is getting them at home. They played a tough Missouri team, uh, kept it closer than perhaps Missouri would have liked. Uh, they beat Navy, they beat Arkansas State, and uh, Bethune Cookman. So what does that mean? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and lock up Memphis here. We had a kind of thin slate. Before you got here, Jeff, we talked a good bit about the games that were not on the Pick'em slate. But you get a nice little four-pack here of smaller in football. Um, I'm not going to spend too much time thinking about it or picking them. I'm just going to go the way I went, and I'm going to lock them, and I'm going to leave them be. So, um, Jeff, with the icing on the top here, you got two big games here. Uh, you got an undefeated team looking to play a very wounded team. And then you got the SEC race here. It's uh, kind of odd to have these two teams kind of, you know, talking about the SEC East race here. But we'll turn the mic over to you and let us know your insight on these two big games. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I mean, kind of looking at these two games, we're talking about Clemson going into Syracuse, a.k.a. the Carrier Dome, a.k.a. whatever it is called now, the what, the JMA Wireless Dome. It'll always be the Carrier Dome. Um, so like you said, we've got one team here, Clemson, uh, coming in, they're licking their wounds. They're feeling, uh, gotta be feeling pretty shitty, uh, after last week's game. Um, if you remember going back to last week, I actually predicted that FSU would make a statement. Uh, they would go in there to Death Valley and they would absolutely crush or at least pull away in the second half. That didn't happen. I have a few thoughts on that myself too. I don't know. Maybe Florida State's a little overrated. Maybe LSU's a little bit overrated in that early victory in the season. Uh, just doesn't really seem to be too impressive right now that Florida State handled LSU. I don't know. I'm just trying to ruffle some feathers here with John and TJ, so don't take offense to it, guys. Uh, what we have here, Clemson licking their wounds, going into the Carrier Dome here. I don't know. Syracuse is one of those teams. <clears throat> they always find a way or seem to to play the role of stunner. They'll they'll kind of say sneak up on people, but they just have the tendency to do that. Um, they actually have beaten Clemson. I want to say it was back in 2017, I think was the last time. So Clemson has a current five game winning streak against Syracuse. I'm thinking this one, it's just without knowing the mindset and the mentality uh, where, uh, Clemson is right now as a program, I gotta be thinking that they're disappointed. They knew they let that one get away. That's, uh, that sack fumble returned for a touchdown by FSU. That was a game changer, huge momentum changer. Um, we saw what happened. They had an opportunity, Clemson, an opportunity to win that game. Easy field goal or at least give them the lead late in the game. 
I had a feeling watching it too, just for whatever reason, I was like, man, I can just see him missing this. Sure as shit, the dude misses it. You kind of feel bad for the kid, but hey, that's college football, college kickers. Uh, Clemson, or I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Clemson dropped the ball. Florida State took advantage of that, won the game. Clemson, it depends on their mindset going into this game, but I could totally see Syracuse just salivating at the opportunity to knock off. Clemson, they're still a big dog in the ACC, despite what their record is. But if they do go in here and they do not play well and it starts to get to the second half and it's a close game, are those doubts going to start creeping in for Clemson and Cade Klubnick? We'll see what happens, but I would not be surprised. I expect it to be close going into the second half, and I fully expect Syracuse to give them hell on this one. So Their quarterback, Garrett Schrader, um, averaging 243 yards a game. It doesn't seem to be like he does anything too flashy, but he is a, a threat on the ground. I was looking at it, he looks like he got 46 carries already this season and accounting for six touchdowns. Clemson's going to have to be on the lookout for that. Um, and on the flip side, too, Clemson with Kate Klubnick, like we already talked about. At, you know, I don't... I don't really think he's played bad, just inconsistent. And, of course, there's there's always a lot of hype and expectations at that position, at that school. Um, he has not lived up to it to that, you know, to this point. But we'll see how the season progresses. Uh, I hope that he comes in here with a, a newfound you know, confidence or whatever, and the whole team shakes off last week because I want to see a good game here. But they're going to continue to ride Will Shipley. He's the engine. He's the straw that stirs that drink on offense there. He finally got his first <laughs> touchdown last week. So uh, you think he had, what, like 15 or 16 all the last season? We'll see um, We'll see how they perform there. But I would not be surprised. I, I don't really want to make a – I'm not ready to make my prediction just yet on our little website, our little four-letter website here. But I would not be surprised to see Syracuse pull the upset on this one. I think Clemson right now is favored by six and a half. We'll see, man. I, I think there's a mentality there within Clemson, a mental game that they need to get over in order to escape out of there with a win. So we'll see how that uh, that transpires. You guys have any comments, anything on that, anything I said that uh, you want to push back on despite, or I said other than the Florida State LSU jab that I took at both of you? No. 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 <laughs> I, didn't think, I didn't think, November, I didn't think so. Second week in November. I think uh, so. your analysis on Gary Schrader's Garrett. Garrett Schrader is pretty spot on. He's not shifty, but if there's a if there's a lane, he's gonna take it. And he's a big dude. And yeah. like when he gets rolling downhill, he's hard to take down. Um, I could definitely see that being an issue on most defenses, but not Clemson's. We will see. Uh, I'll, I'll say the other thing too here. Um, I think you had a Clemson team against uh, Duke that was not kind of molded into, like, a, a shape, per se. You know, they hadn't they – didn't, you didn't know what they were, right? Like, what are we going to do? Identity. I think Duke caught them. I think Duke caught them with their pants down. Um, I think Clemson <sighs> – there's nothing worse than a really, really, really wounded Dabo team. Um, they are probably going to be one of those teams that rips off the rest of their games pretty confidently, and then it's just, like, stewing – uh, sitting on the outside watching in because they're going to get better as the year goes on, I think. Um, I, I forgot to mention this in the earlier uh, discussion about the Florida State Clemson game. There were a lot of very, very questionable calls throughout that game, but definitely in the first half of that game, they got a little home cooking, if I'm going to be mm-hmm. frank, about 
the the calls. It seemed like you wouldn't call those games or those calls elsewhere. Um, it's a noon kick. Uh, it, it all lines up for Syracuse to look like they're going to win this game, but I'm not a big fan of non-electric quarterbacks being the leading rusher for your team. To John's point, um, Schrader can get, you know, in the mix and he can run the ball when needed, but I don't think he's a game breaker in that sense. They also haven't really played a great schedule, so I'm not really kind of reading too much into their stats because I looked at the games that Syracuse has played so far. Uh, I think Clemson throttles this team. Six and a half seems skinny. Uh, Cade Klubnick is not going to be asked to win this game unless it get, unless uh, Syracuse drags him into the deep water. I think they have enough mental fortitude here and enough. Uh, it's going to should be a one-two punch with Maffa and Shipley here. Uh, I think they pound him. Uh, I would hammer Clemson six and a half, and that's going to be huh. that's my ten. That's my ten point lock. Wow, you're going to go with the ten with an inconsistent Clemson team, okay? I, Hey. Just their teeth off. They're not that inconsistent, though, Jeff. The Clemson that we're used to seeing, we have not seen. Yeah, that. we haven't th- seen that. But that doesn't mean they're. That doesn't mean they're inconsistent. They're just not what they used to be. They're still pretty consistent. I, I think they come out this week. They we'll took see what they kind took of mentality F- they have. They took FSU to the wire, and again, I'm I'm gifting them a couple of a couple of penalties here. Um, and who, who was it, Josh? At the... They get geared up for that FSU game. They played better than I expected. Were they psyched for that game, knowing that that opponent was coming in with an opportunity to wreck Florida State season and even the playing field in this and yeah. the ACC? Uh, I mean, hey, look, Clemson was on ten, but uh, what I'll say is, is that I feel like they basically outcoached us and outplayed us in the first half. We had a great third quarter, like into the second half, going into the second half, a good third quarter. We kind of petered out in the fourth quarter. I think if – I'll put it this way. If Clemson plays three and a half quarters of good to above average football, I don't think Syracuse has what it takes offensively to beat them. But, right. again, that that's just kind of my angle here. The, I think they're pissed off. And Dabo does a pretty good job of circling their wagons – even though Clemson didn't pull the win against Florida State, they had a really, really good showing. And to your point too earlier, uh, you said that, that Clemson's <laughs> likely to improve. They'll get better as the season goes on. Yeah. Yeah, I can totally see him looking back at the schedule and say, damn, you know, we let a couple get away from us early in the season. And that could be the difference. It's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Yeah, and I love it. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm drinking it. <laughs> I'm sure. I think it's fantastic. But by the time Miami rolls around, and that Notre Dame team rolls around, you're still going to see some piss and vinegar out of these Clemson Tigers. I don't think they're done yet. All right, let's t- let's let's talk a little Gator here, Gator football. Uh, for those that watched, tuned in to last week's game, there was a lot of good football going on. I don't know why I really subjected myself to watching so much <laughs> of UF versus Charlotte, but I wanted to see what they uh, how they looked. Last week's show said that I would really like to see a, uh, a consistent effort, really like to see him put the pedal down, throttle what should have been um, an easier win. I hope that they kind of got – I'm not going to say it's a stinker. It was a, a defensive, a great defensive effort. Florida failed to capitalize on several opportunities in the red zone. That's something that's going to have to improve as the season goes on, and it's going to have to be better this weekend as they go into Kroger Field in Lexington 
to face the Kentucky Wildcats. It's another one of those Florida rivalry games. As everybody knows, Florida had that, what, 30, 31 game winning streak against UK for the longest time. Kentucky actually rolls into this game. They've got the um, two games, last two victories, last two matches. They've come away. Um, and they've been the program, the better, better program uh, over that time as well. No question about it. Um, right now, I think the odds makers have this one listed as a, it's basically a pick on. It's, it's a one point difference. I feel the same way. It's, it's extremely close. It's still early in the season. We don't quite know what these teams are. In my opinion, what little, I, admittedly, I've watched very little of UK this year. They seem to be a little bit up and down. I'm not quite sure what we quite have with them yet. They've got a little home cook in here. They get the uh, NC State transfer. Oh, is it uh, Leary, right? Devin Leary. Yeah. So he's under he's under center right now, uh, running their running their show. Um, Graham Mertz on the other side of the ball for Florida. As I stated before, I've been impressed with him. Not a flashy guy. He's not lighting it up statistically, but what I do love to see is his protection of the football, managing the game. He's doing what he needs to get done. It's not always going to be pretty, but the results are there. And right now I'm feeling pretty good about a three and one Florida team. I really hope that, um, like I said, they improve on several things from, from last week. They kind of got that stinker out of the way. I'm loving, by the way, just kind of off topic. The, the sleeveless was it, uh, Biff Pogey, coach <laughs> of Charlotte. Man, what a fucking legend. What a fucking legend, dude. Love it. I'm not hoping for the upsets. I really want to see him just rip that shirt off. Hulkamania style, right? Dude, he he is the living embodiment of Florida, man. He's coaching the wrong team. Oh no, y'all y'all need to get him as your next second rate coach because you don't want to spend the money to get a real one. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll 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 overpay for him. Don't worry, we'll, we'll dub him as the next up and coming. You'll get him a shirt with sleeves too, I bet. No, uh, no. man. No, he'll have his like Hulk Hogan NWO where it's like cut and like curled, like little tassels. Oh, little tassels, <laughs> yeah. That's what he's gonna have out there. I mean, he's gonna go full blown there, buddy. Pit vipers, the whole, the whole thing, Crocs. I well, think Jeff, in your analysis, you're pretty spot on here with the Charlotte game. I'm glad you brought that up because I think you really underestimated the intimidation factor factor of the opposing coach coming in with a visor on and sleeveless shirt with gym shorts and matching shoes. I think that really put fear into Billy Napier and the Gators. Um, I saw a good bit of that game. Obviously I was praying that Charlotte could figure out a way to score points. Um, Something to definitely watch out for. I'm not sure if Kentucky can exploit this weakness because uh, of De- Devin Leary. He's more of a pocket passer, but I don't know if they have a change of pace back or perhaps a wide receiver that can handle the ball maybe 10 to 15 times a game. But honestly, if I'm Kentucky, I take a look at that Charlotte film, and I see that you guys are like really not good at defending sprint option. Uh, due to some penalties and some like kind of boneheaded plays on Charlotte's end, they were cooking you guys this goose with the sprint option look. Uh, that quarterback is obviously like a receiver or a running back playing quarterback. He was a leadership kind of prospect here, but um, yeah. an exceedingly weak performance by the Gators, and I'm not necessarily just saying that because I don't like them, but shocking. They, I think they're 21-point favorites. Uh, I guess, 21, 24, something like that, yeah. They did not like, cover. Against a very bad Charlotte team at home, you got the swamp at night. Um, 
Oh, it would look like a brutal game to sit through if you're a Gator fan. I mean, you never have a bad time yeah. in the swamp, right, if you're winning. But that just looked like, man, you know, bouncing back and forth between that and some of the other games going on, I'm just like, why do I keep tuning into this right yeah. now? But Well, you kept watching because it got close. And not, like, really close, but it was it was closer than you wanted it to be, I guarantee Yeah. You. Well, again, it goes back to the first half. You know, you have those red zone opportunities, and just like we saw the same thing, um, self-inflicted yeah. wounds early in the season against Utah. Um, those are the things they got to clean up and they got to get better. Uh, I'm really hoping that they got this out of their way and they've been saving the best, or I mean, not the best, but a much better effort versus UK here. I would love to break that two-game winning streak that the Wildcats are on. Um, I don't know how I feel. Again, like everybody else, it's one point. It's a toss-up right now. It's one of those, again, a noon kickoff here in Lexington. I wouldn't be surprised to see a really strong effort from Florida. Kentucky's going to have to. They're going to beat them. I think they're going to beat them through the air. Kentucky's ground game hasn't really been too impressive so far this season. Again, I say so far. We're only four weeks in. Um, and both teams, you know, they rank, I think, in the top 30-ish in the country in, in points against. So it's kind of even there. That's kind of a wash. But I think Kentucky's key, Devin Leary, they're going to have to beat the Florida defense, torch them on a couple of plays through the air. For Florida, the key, continue to protect the ball. Graham Mertz, just keep managing the game. Be opportunistic. Get some turnovers and capitalize on your chances. Don't settle for three. Get it in the end zone. Come away with the victory. I'm going to go with this one. Sometimes I pick against my team, but I'm going to go with Florida on this with the upset. Razor thin margin. I'm going to say it comes down to like a two point there. I could say like a 28 26 type game. I, I, I agree, Jeff. Thank you, Jonathan. Uh, one thing I'm noticing, though, about Kentucky, just looking at stats, is, yes, their quarterback has thrown nine TDs, but he's also thrown five interceptions. Um, yep. If you look at You're their right. stats, they're really – there's nothing blowing me out of the water, but that, just seeing five interceptions, makes me lean a little more towards this just because that's a lot of turnovers for just playing four games. That's a, that's a great point there by you, Bengal, because I noticed that, too, in some of my research, that nine TDs, five interceptions, that's more than he had all of last season, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. And you, you two are both such a damn enigma. I don't know what you are, what Kentucky is. I mean, this is a true toss-up to me. Yeah, nobody's dropping the they are who we thought they were bullshit on this one. Mm-mm. Sorry, Dennis Green. <laughs> yeah. Classic Denny Green line. Um, <laughs> I, I would definitely say here, I think the the way this game is going to come down to it, the Gators are not going to ask Graham Mertz to win this game because they're probably pretty clear that Mark Stoops is going to essentially coach the game around to, all right, let's stop the run. Let's force Mertz to throw the ball down the field because really he's just kind of the check down king right now. And, I mean, obviously that's what the Gators are asking him to do. Um, and he's been doing that because if you look at his stat line, you know, lots of, lots of attempts, lots of completions. Um, mm-hmm. he'll sneak in a long ball, uh, here and there. I think the Gators are not going to try that because Kentucky's defense is probably going to get a little bit of pressure. And that's where Mertz kind of breaks down a little bit, um, career wise and kind of that's kind of his weak point is once you get pressure in the pocket. Um, this game's going to come down to who has the better kicker, who has the better punter. And whoever avoids turnovers, mm-hmm. uh, to TJ's point and to JT's point, Devin Leary throwing a, 
more than a handful. Well, I guess it would be a handful of picks. There's only five fingers on my hand, but that's just me. Um, he's been pedestrian uh, throughout the season. I don't think Kentucky's asked him to do a lot. He does have a thousand uh, passing yards so far. His completion percentage is less less than to be desired. It's just at about sixty percent, which is you know kind of just good enough to be a starter in the SEC, I suppose. Um, I haven't seen his game log. I'm going to tap in real quick to the stats here. Um, obviously, kind of picking on Vanderbilt. He threw through threw two picks against Vandy. I didn't see how those happened. But he's thrown a pick in every game so far. So that does not bode well. Um, I can't really say too much other about their offense. But, I mean, the fact that Florida really, really struggled to kind of come out of their shell against Charlotte I don't know if Napier was playing close to the vest because really you go back and watch that Tennessee game. You just see a bunch of broken tackles against, you know, Florida for that Tennessee team. And you see those big runs by the Gator running backs there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yep. going to be close. It's going to be ugly, but as of late close, ugly football has been Kentucky's football game. I'd be a little bit more confident if they had a better playmaker at quarterback. But in a game where you're having to choose between bad and worse, I'm going to go with home field advantage. I'm going to go with defense. I'm going to go with special teams. I'm going to go with Mark Stoops. I think Mark Stoops is the better coach. I think they have the better roster. And I don't think <clears throat> you mentioned that 31-game win streak. I don't think Kentucky's afraid of Florida anymore. And the game's definitely not of the swamp. No. And I don't think the Gators have still shown that propensity to like have you know psychological and mental errors. And I think that rears its ugly head again Saturday. And again, it's an early game, so that road factor definitely plays a plays a factor as well. Yeah, I mean, I if, if there's I one thing we should question. all know by yeah, one thing we should all know by now, it's that consistency and carrying over from week to week. We want to try to get a beat on these teams and say, oh, because they played this way, uh, they're likely to come into this game that way. You know, I mentioned the Clemson earlier. We don't fucking know. You have no idea how these teams are going to show up, what's going to transpire over the course of 60 minutes. And like you said, to your point, Josh, that 31-game win streak, that's so far in the, in the rear view and the turnover that's happened uh, for both programs and players. I mean, these guys don't give a shit about that now. It's all about the here and now. Yeah. Graham Mertz, four touchdowns, one interception. Not um, flashy, baby. Nothing flashy. Not flashy. But I will say, catch of the fucking year, Ricky Persall, one-handed. Wow. Holding on to that ball, getting smacked, too. That catch. We saw it. Even my wife's like, damn. That it, was fucking it impressive. Like me hate y'all, but at the same time, that's <laughs> impressive. Yeah, just has to, has to show out against the FCS opponent. Great catch, though. I mean, I won't knock it. He definitely had Spider-Man hands there. Um, yeah, he had to stick him going there. Graham Mertz has not thrown an interception since the Utah game. I think that comes into play. You think he throws a pick, you mean? I think he either fumbles on a sack or he throws a very untimely interception. This Kentucky, this Kentucky team, they'll put you, they'll put you in a street fight. I think it's going to be. I mean, I'm not going to go the rest of the season without turning the ball over. It's going to happen. Yeah, no, no. they're going. Well, here's what's going to happen. It's a typical ESPN game. Well, Merch, just to tell you, second quarter, <laughs> Merch hasn't thrown an interception all, since the Utah game. That's right. Let's look at these stats here. Next play, interception. It's, oh, dude, it happens. How often does that happen? Right? Almost every damn game, to where even Herbstreit was joking about in the yellow shoe game. It's the curse. 
my my I want to amend something I said a little bit earlier in the season. I know that I predicted the Jack Miller show would begin at I was gonna mid- bring that up. Mid <laughs> midway during the, the Tennessee game. I think the Jack Miller show starts next week after Graham Mertz just Oh puts my gosh. Get yeah. off Jack Miller's cock, dude. <laughs> yeah, dude. Fuck, like get over it. What is with you? You gotta Jack let that storyline like go, Josh. I hate Okay, this right. cousin of yours. Just throwing it out there. Just throwing it I out don't there. think I don't think they're the foreign aiders this season either. They're not bad. You're only right. you're only putting your eggs in the Jack Miller basket because you were gonna go with Jalen Kitna until he put his eggs in some kids' baskets. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security wrote that for me. Uh, <laughs> oh man, yeah. So Gators again, uh, SEC East. Think of it. The next four game, SEC East battles. Uh, they play Kentucky, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, UGA. This is basically a must-win game for both teams. So uh, it'll be we'll a good st- measuring stick for Florida too. Absolutely. Well, it's going to be measuring for both because who can actually establish who they are? This is yeah. the game to do it because you both. I mean, shoot, I'm looking at. Oh shit! One sec. All right. Um, I see. I think Kentucky. That yeah. Then next week, I think they go to Georgia. Yep. So it's like you, you, they need to definitely establish themselves and, you know, against Florida. And again, Florida, you're still in the run here, lost on Utah. But whoever establishes up this game is going to have a good rest year and a good, I'm not going to say, I'll say a good chance for the East because Georgia looks beatable. They don't look like the juggernaut they were last year. No. Well, that's uh, that's a good bow to put on this uh, present here that is week five. We had a good one. Uh, definitely went a little long. But again, so much meat on the bone here with uh, these big, big, big weeks. Lots of great outcomes. Uh, so the breakdown on the on the week four was great. Had some big off the radar games today. Um, and again, uh, probably the top three quarters of this pick pool. Very interesting. Lots of detail. <clears throat> we definitely did a lot more homework this week. Uh, so thanks to TJ, John, and Jeff. Our yeah, Jeff. Sean's still unavailable. Still uh, riding around in airplanes and uh, drinking. Uh, all sorts of different alcohols. So we'll try to get him on next week. Uh, guys, thanks for tuning in. Goalize, pardon, GoalLineGuys.com is uh, kind of the hub here. Share it with your friends and family, people you don't like, uh, any degenerate gamblers that you know. Uh, picks at GoalLineGuys.com for your mailback questions. Um, we covered a lot of the stuff that Kyle had input on, so we didn't really have time to kind of do Kyle's corner, but he's in the pick pool as well. We'll try to get him on one of the broadcasts. And, again, guys, check us out on Spotify. Check us out on Apple Music, Amazon Music, and any of your favorite websites. We're probably sitting there broadcasting as well. Uh, guys, thanks for tuning in. Again, com. Like, share, and subscribe. Uh, guys, thanks for coming out tonight. Mm-hmm. Any final words? Uh, yeah, I'm going to talk about uh, the Iowa offense. <laughs> <laughs> You, uh, Josh, you sent me something on Instagram about Iowa because of the whole gambling thing. Uh, Brian Ferentz has a clause in his contract saying if he average, if Iowa averages 25 points a game, that includes defensive scores, he gets to get renewed. Uh, I don't think even if they do, he should get renewed. And I think Kurt Ferentz should get fired too. That's my closing statement. TJ, what do you got for us, bud? Uh, just waiting to see. My biggest thing this weekend is still the Mac Johnson. 
I want to see what that kid does under true pressure, which Arkansas will bring it. So that's my biggest thing I want to see this weekend. You're right, man. That might actually be the best, highly hottest contested game of the week. Uh, so uh, watch out for those Aggies. Watch out for those Razorbacks. They'll get you. And, Jeff, we'll let you, since you were uh, kind enough to join us tonight on a, on a busy schedule here, you made the time for us. We'll give you the last word. Any, any uh, audience you want to throw in there for us? Always looking forward to a great weekend of football, camaraderie, the chirping back and forth, the nonstop group text messages that come in blowing us up here on a Saturday afternoon, but I love it. And everybody, just remember, it's all fun and games, but if you or somebody that you know has a gambling problem and needs help, there is help available by calling 1-800-662-HELP. <laughs> all right, guys, you take care out there. Let ride, buddy. Let ride. Sean, that's for you, buddy. That's for you. Yeah. Guys, thanks for tuning in. GoLineGuys.com. We'll see you next week. Adios. Okay.